Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. Today, we're going to talk about judgment-free parenting. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God. I can feel you rolling your eyes. I'm, not, I'm only rolling my eyes at myself at how terrible I am at judgment-free parenting. <laughs> so it's funny because there's so many ways this phrase could go, right? There's so many things it could mean. It could mean not judging other adults as they are involved in the raising of kids. It could mean not judging yourself as the adult. It could be not judging your kid. It could mean how to teach your kid to not judge you. Oh, there's so many ways. It's just a, this, this could be a five-part series. (laughs) Really good. I'm going to start with my version of judgment-free parenting. It's not really my version. It's my story of the day. I'm going to be Vanessa. This might have (laughs) happened yesterday. In your own home? This might have happened in my own home. You know, in my house, it's a very fine line between knowing my lane in medicine and kind of having a little bit of expertise and being a parent and having no expertise, (laughs) right? By Um, the way, the only reason we're willing to put parenting in the title of this episode is because we're going to talk about all the ways that we totally blew it. Right. And there, there are many stories. There I mean, are many stories. Again, we're going to jam this. <laughs> stories. But the, the story of the week is it's a recurrent theme in my house because it's a common teen issue that we're dealing with here, skin, acne. And I am dealing with it on two fronts. I am dealing with it on the medical front where I do have a little bit of knowledge. Just about a how little. To treat it. I mean, I'm not a dermatologist, but I have a little bit of knowledge and I'm dealing with it on the parenting front where I have no cred because everything that I suggest either doesn't work instantaneously, so I'm wrong, or is, and this is where it's on theme for this podcast, it's judgmental that I say anything. And so it might, right? So it might have happened in my house once again this week that when I was looking at a crop of acne and fingers all over the skin touching the area that's all broken out, and I used my not so sophisticated medical knowledge to point out, hey, when you touch already inflamed, oily, broken out skin, 
usually makes the problem worse. You can imagine what the response was. Do we want to do multiple choice? <laughs> no, I'm just going to let you imagine. There was no thank you. There was no got it. There was no, no graciousness. Right. None. And I don't expect that. But the reason I bring it up at the top of this episode is because in the world of managing our role as the adult caretakers of kids, we often feel judged by the kids we're taking care of. And we are aware that they feel judged by us. And so I just wanted to put that out at the top, not because I have any great resolution to the story. I don't. I'll actually tell you what I did this morning. Yeah, I did this morning. This, this is not the first conversation that we've had about this topic. And so this morning, I wrote a little note and said, I don't always get my delivery right. I'm trying to balance the medical information I have and the things I know on that side of the equation with being sensitive to the fact that you don't want me to say anything. And so I didn't get that right yesterday, but I've printed out this article that I thought might be helpful. And it's a different kind of strategy let me know what you think. And the article, actually was really psyched about this article. The article was about using an app to gamify not touching your skin. And so- Is you it give, a drinking game? <laughs> yeah, well, for some it might be. You give yourself points when you don't touch your skin for a certain amount of time and you subtract points when you do. And I have no idea how it works, but the author of this very non-scientific article was basically- showing another way into the treatment of or the the approach to acne. And what I what I really loved about it, probably more than anything, was sort of the acknowledgement that it's it's a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's mm. a little bit of you do your own identifying what's going on and then behavioral modification. And it gets me, the parent, out of the way. But I'm very nervous about what the reaction to the note and the article will be. Right. Cause it's trial and error. You don't know. I mean, you try a new way that you think might be better, but it's not always better. I will tell you a story on a different subject, which is relates to the unsuccessful attempts to not be judgmental. This might've happened in my house a few weeks ago where one of my children was complaining about the brown spot on the avocado slice on their plate and using a tone of voice that I found profoundly irritating and ungracious. And I might have said something along the lines of, (laughs) you might have, (laughs) if you talk like a baby, I can't hear what you're saying to me. You sound ridiculous. Okay, number one, the most judgmental thing you could say to a child probably in those two sentences. And then that child responded back to me. If you're trying to raise me as an empowered person, speaking to me that way is not a successful way to make me feel You were being judged in return. I was being judged. And like, if this was a competition, which it's not, but it is, 
she would have one, like she just aced me basically with that response. And then I said, she you know what? You. She outjudged me, but like in the most effective way. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm really sorry. I handled that so badly. Here's why you pissed me off. And I apologize. And then my kids looked at me and they were like, mom, that was like the fastest do-over you've ever taken in your whole parenting life. It was like in 60 seconds. So that was the win that I heard how poorly I was behaving in my judgment, both in my tone of voice and in what I said. And I could hear my kid and I could go back. So that's my that's my judgment success story. I guess that is I would a say. judgment success story. And and so, you know, let's simplify the topic by giving our advice right at the top. Wait, so, the topic is not all the ways that you and I screw up as parents. <laughs> that's the subtopic. Okay. The fair topic. Enough. Is judgment free parenting. And I do think, you know, we can give away sort of the answers right at the top of the episode. The way to raise kids in a judgment free environment is to do four things. First of all, you need to stop judging yourself. You can have insight into what you did. Like that story you just told was great because you had insight into what you did. But those of us who berate ourselves after we do something and we're in our head and we're living it and we're judging ourselves and feeling like terrible parents. And, you know, I, I don't know what have, you're talking about. I have no idea. I sometimes <laughs> have parents who call me and their kids have a stomach bug. They have gastroenteritis. It's caused by a virus. And the parent gives their kid something to sip on because they've been vomiting or having diarrhea for so long. They're worried they're dehydrated. And lo and behold, they vomit it all up. And what does the parent say? The parent says, it's all my fault. I shouldn't have done that, right? So the first piece of advice here is you have to stop judging yourself because that's not a super effective way of raising kids. There's a phrase that's become popular, but I still love it, even though it's overused. And it is, we have to give ourselves some grace. Hmm, It is a nice phrase. And I really like it. And even though it's like on vogue and overused, I still really like it. So We've just stopped judging ourselves. We have to give ourselves some grace. Okay, number that's two. Right. That's that's number one. Number two is we have to stop judging other adults. And this is the one, I believe that the 60 second turnaround from judging your kid to taking the do-over can be credited to the fact that you are very, very good at not judging other people and how other people do it. And the reason those two things are connected is if if you were to judge other parents and to mentally rank them in terms of how they are doing in the world of parenting, generally speaking, what travels with that is a belief that you're doing it better than anyone else. And that then holds one back from being able to recognize when they mess it up. So what I really like about your story is it shines a light on the fact that in order to be able to take the do-over, which we talk about in every single episode of this podcast, one of the great skills that comes in very handy in taking the do-over is letting go of judgment of other people. How you do something and how someone else does something almost have no bearing on one another. And it's a really important and hard 
piece of all this. It's very hard. It takes practice. If my family heard you say that I was not judgmental, they would fall on the floor laughing because for many, many years, I was a judgmental person, partially because I also judged myself harshly. And I think when you give yourself some space, you give other people space. The other thing is it's a Roger Bennett-ism. My husband, Roger, who's English. So forgive the slightly bizarre terminology. Are you do this with an accent? No, because I can't do an English accent and he can't do an American accent, which may be why our marriage works. He says, it's not about you. You never know if someone has a boil on their ass that needs to be lanced. Such a great point, Roger. Which is such a great point said in a bizarre way, but a great point, which is you never know what's going on in someone else's day and someone else's family and someone else's life and someone else's history that's causing them to behave the way they're behaving and to make the choices they're making. And if we start from a place of thinking the best of people and being generous of spirit and imagining that whatever choices they're making comes from a place of trying their best, then it gives us a lot of room to understand them and to engage with them and to engage with our kids over other people's decisions and other families' choices. Right. So if one parent or adult chooses to give a kid a cell phone or a device way before you choose to, that's a fact, but it is not a fact worth judging because when you go down the judgment rabbit hole with them, you find yourself in, in not just a negative space, but actually playing defense with your kid instead of sort of being proactive and playing offense. And you can use that example across, you know, every single corner of tween and teen life. So we have number one is, you know, you have to stop judging yourself. Number two is you have to stop judging other adults because they might have a boil on their ass. Um, <laughs> number three is that it is important to not deliver the messages that you are delivering to the children in your care with judgment. So what I mean by that is you can feel judgment-free, but if you say something in a judgy way, that's how it's taken. It's taken as judgy. And sometimes I'll find myself using the modifier. I, I'm not being judgmental, but, and then I, I am. So you have to catch you yourself. highly judgmental comment right after. It's like when my I kids mean, are like, I don't mean to be rude. And then I know they're about to be incredibly rude. Totally. So how we deliver the message is really, really important. And there are ways to say things that remove the judgment. So one example that you come up with a lot on this podcast are examples around things like curfew or piercings, things that home to home, the rules are going to vary. The sort of value system and the decision tree is different under every single roof. And so if you have a kid who's really upset because you have one curfew in your house and it's always everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. It's always everyone. like every single person on the planet besides you. Always. Everyone else has another one. There are two ways for you to deliver your message when you're explaining your rationale. And one is with judgment, even if you say, I'm not being judgmental. And the other is without judgment. And it's very important to figure out how to deliver your message because this gets us to point four, which is your kids will mirror your judginess and they will learn from the world around them 
how to be judgmental. And it is very important that you model non-judgmental behavior and you actually hold a mirror up to your kids' judgmental behavior when they're showing it, when they're flexing it, so that they can nip it in the bud. We live in a judgmental world. We live in a very fractured world where people disagree about a lot of things. And there is a lot of room for disagreement without being judgy. And that is a really important piece of all of this. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code PUBERTY50 to get 50% off. That's code PUBERTY50 at factormeals.com slash PUBERTY50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin 
without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. You talk about that example of a curfew and everyone else has this curfew and you're giving me that curfew. And you're talking about two ways to deliver. One is with judgment and one is without judgment. So with judgment might sound something like, well, you know what? Their parents don't actually care about them. And so they're going to let them stay out all night because it doesn't matter to them when their kids come home. And like, I'm not even sure they love them anyways. Right? <laughs> and if, if the words don't sound exactly like that, <laughs> the, the vibe is that, right? So that's the, that's with judgment, maybe a little hyperbolic. What is without judgment sound like when you're setting a boundary on something like curfew? So one way is this. I understand that different families have different rules. What's driving the decision in this family is that it makes us uncomfortable when you're on the road light, not you. It's everyone else on the road. Nothing good happens after fill in the blank, 1130, 12, 1230, whatever time you want to say. That's when decision-making starts shifting and becoming a little bit more impaired. You know, I can't go to sleep until I know you're home. And so I'm up for hours and hours and hours every night. And that's a stressor for me. There are ways to explain the rationale and actually open up a conversation around it without invoking why everyone else is a bad adult in the situation and you're the winning adult. Because really, you're not the winning adult. In your kid's eyes, you're the losing adult. You're the adult who's holding them back, right? And so all you're doing is framing the rationale without throwing other people under the bus. They have their own rationale. But you're framing your rationale and you're saying, this is how I think about it. And you're opening the door for your kid to say, you know what? I think you're thinking about it wrong. And this is why. And they will do that eventually. They, as they get older, they will learn to engage in conversation. And if you're not super judgmental about it, they know they can engage you. If you are super judgmental, how can they engage you? You've already shut down everyone who does it a different way. And so you've made it very clear that if they come back, you're going to shut them down too. I want to reiterate that point because I think it's so critical. We talk all the time about keeping lines of communication open with our kids. And judgment effectively shuts down communication. And they stop coming to us because they assume we are going to judge them or judge their friends or judge the parents of their friends. And we then lose those lines of communication. 
So the critical aspect of removing as best you can judgment from engagement and conversation with your kids is to keep lines of communication open because we will tell you as parents of older teens that it becomes more and more important for their health and safety to have those lines of communication open. Even if you don't agree with them, even if you are internally judging them, like, you know, on a professional level, judging them in your own minds, you still need to put up the the front, I guess, that you are not because you have to keep lines of communication open with them. Vanessa, I want to do a speed round where we blow through a handful of topics (laughs) that are just, they're, they're like piles of TNT in terms of the potential for judgy conversations in any direction. Do you want to open up a book that's a red leather bound tome that's called Vanessa's Book of Parenting Fails? <laughs> and then we can do a speed round. Chapter one. Chapter one. So, yes. Okay, ready? We're going to do a few. Okay, ready? Yes. Body. Oh my God. Okay, I have, because body stuff is my stuff. This is the stuff I carry, right? We talk about leaving your baggage at the door and we all hopefully get better and better, but body stuff, weight stuff, the way kids are dressed. This is my, this is my shit that I bring into these conversations. See, you're already judging yourself. I am judging myself, but I'm also reflecting on why this particular topic is hard for me and why I have to do work my own work with my partner, my friends, you know, if I was in therapy right now with my therapist about this, because I, yeah. So, okay. So give me an example of a way it could go wrong. Yes. And then give me an example of a non-judgmental way of approaching any issue related to body or weight or nutrition. Okay. Do you like how this is my version of a speed round? It's like if the turtle was doing a speed round. We suck at speed rounds. Okay. So an example of this is your child is reaching into the cabinet to get a snack and they grab the salt and vinegar potato chips and open up the bag. (laughs) You say, are you sure you want to eat that? And that is a perfect opportunity for your child to turn to you and shoot poison arrows back at you from their eyes straight into your heart, right? Right. Because it's a very passive aggressive judgmental statement. It sucks. That we've all uttered. Every single one of us has uttered it. And it's, it take that definitely earns a do-over. So what would be a way, Vanessa, of managing that moment with no judgment. So it might sound something like not in that moment, not when my kid is reaching for it. Although I will say to them, Hey, you know what? In our house, we don't eat out of the bag. We get a bowl or a plate and we get a portion on that because the bag is actually not meant for one person to eat the entire bag. The bag is meant for our family to share. And that's what I was thinking when I bought it. Right. But in a larger sense, it might sound something down the road like, hey, you know what I notice? I'm buying a lot of like yummy, salty snacks in the house. And I realize I'm not actually putting out a lot of fruit or vegetables. And you need all that food to be healthy and to enjoy a whole variety. So I'm going to start putting some veggies and fruit out in the afternoon. It's a great way of doing it. 
I'm going to give a different example, slightly different example, similar with food. A better um, example. You're going to no, give a better no, example. Because it's, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're judging me, I win. So all of us have walked in on someone in our household grabbing something that is just really not good for you and, you know, really going for it. The example that jumps into my mind is an entire bag of chocolate chips meant to be used for chocolate chip cookies and, you know, just walking in and it's like one person is going to town on the chocolate chips and stops and is frozen in their tracks. And like a bear in the in the, in the campsite. Yes. And has been seen, found, caught red-handed and has shame. Okay. Yeah. And this is a very important piece yes. of this is yes. a lot of the things that result in a judgmental response by one person bring shame to the other person. Right. And so this is why we don't want to be judgmental because you're trying to reduce this shame dynamic, the shaming of anyone. So in that situation, you know, the judgmental approach is obvious, you know, it's any version of, you know, what are you doing? But the non-judgmental approach might look something like this. Hey, you look really hungry and I love a chocolate chip too, but I think you might feel bad if you keep going down this road and that's how you're satisfying your hunger. So clock how you're feeling right now by using hands full of chocolate chips to satisfy your hunger and think about balancing what you're putting in your body because I think you're going to feel better. So inside you might have alarm bells going off that you're very worried about this choice and they're in different homes. There may be different reactions from, you know, is my child binging to does my child have something, you know, there, there are a million things or, right. or is my, my child my feeling sad and trying to feel better by That's eating right. comforting foods. And it may not be a child, by the way, it may be another adult who's, it might who's going be someone this. on this podcast who it, is talking right now, <laughs> who finds chocolate deeply, deeply soothing. It might be. And so the response to it is it's not helpful if the response is shaming. It's only helpful if the response is trying to show other options. And, you know, sometimes when you provide other alternative options, the answer is, I don't, I don't want any of those options. And then right. that's a different kind of conversation. I sent right. one of my kids. So and when I was growing up and I, my mom would, I'd be like, oh, I'm so hungry. And I, my mom would offer me something and I'd say, Oh, I don't want that. I don't like yogurt with fruit on the bottom. And she'd say, if you were really hungry, you'd eat it. And I hated that response. Yeah. And now with my kids, if they're like, I'm so hungry and I offer them a piece of fruit, they're like, no, I don't want to. And I say, what do I say? Of course I say, if you were really hungry, you'd eat it. So there was a, I think a meme or an Instagram, like a TikTok video of that. And my I sent it to my kids, just acknowledging my lameness in this The universality area. of your The lameness. universality of annoying parents. Okay. Speed round. Ready yes. for topic two? Was, was that, was that our <laughs> that speed That was really round? quick. Okay. So academics. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Every time I give a topic, you, you because just- Because like eight, eight, <laughs> terrible conversations come flooding back. Okay. So I can do this one quickly. I am a different student. I was a different student than my two older children are. They're different learners. They have different approaches. Things came easily to me that don't come easily to them and vice versa. 
I have spent almost 20 years trying to develop my empathy for the way that they learn. Occasionally, something might come out of my mouth that sounds like, why did you only get a B on this test? And let's just be honest, that is a profoundly judgmental way to approach our children's learning. What would be a better way? Okay. So I'm taking a trick out of other people's books. It might sound something like, hey, I'm wondering how you feel about that grade. Did you work hard for that result? Is there anything that you might have done differently to prepare if they say they're not happy? My kid came home with an 81 on a math test when he was struggling in a particular unit. And he was so pumped about that 81. And thank God I knew he was pumped from the outside. So I kept my big fat mouth shut and did not say, Ooh, 81, do you get a retake? Instead, I was like, 81, that's amazing. So sometimes they let you know ahead of time. Often it's like by text from school when they get it back and you don't know how they feel. So the first thing I ask, even though I'm like, Ooh, okay, well, that's kind of fine, is to say, How do you feel about it? What do you think? So do you, do you have the experience where they anticipate that you're going to ask that question and they're already ready to feel good about it, no matter how they feel about it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like the one that I get all the time is, and I, I don't know how this works because most of their classes are graded on a curve, but it's like, I did better than everyone else in the class. And I'm like, really? A 72 is better than everyone else in the class. I've learned that hard to <laughs> There's a doubling down on that. Uh, here's another place not to go in terms of academic conversations. I have the tendency to ask about what other kids are doing, what classes they're taking, what interests they have. I find that interesting information. I like knowing more about their friends. I like understanding what makes other kids tick. And actually... I learn a lot about what's available at school through the conversations of, well, so-and-so's taking this class. I'm like, well, I didn't know you could take that class. And sometimes when I will ask about another kid, I think it is perceived as judgmental. Like, oh, well, that kid is doing five things that are much more interesting than the five things you're doing, which is not how I mean to have the conversation, how I mean to have the conversation that kid is, is so much more impressive than right. you are meeting circles around you. <laughs> I, what I mean to say in the conversation is, wow, it's an incredible thing to look around and see what other people are doing and take in that information. And occasionally you may want to follow in the footsteps of someone, maybe one footstep, not that you don't have to copy everything they're doing, but if this person is doing you know, X project or X class or joined X club. And it's interesting. Hey, take the note, but it doesn't always come out sounding like that. It can come out sounding like that kid is better than you. And that is one that as it's happening in the moment, we do need to course correct because it's not what we mean at all. It's, you know, especially as they get on in through middle school into high school. And the emphasis is on getting the parents out of the way and kids making independent decisions. It's really important for kids to start looking around and seeing how other kids make decisions. And I want to add on to that about colleges. We want to avoid making judgmental comments about where kids are going to college or applying to college or thinking about applying to college because we have no idea where our kids are going to end up. 
And that comment you made when they were freshmen in high school about some senior that you knew and you were disparaging of the school that that kid is going to, your child is going to remember that and hold on to that. And can you imagine if that is the one choice they have of where they're going to go to school, but they remember that you were like, oh, well, that's a terrible school or, oh, I would never go there. So one thing we do, we work really hard on our house. And this means also having our older kids not be judgmental in front of our younger kids, which is we don't disparage any academic institution. We just say, oh, that's interesting or, oh, good for them or whatever innocuous statement you want to make, but no judgment about where kids are going to college. On a related note, I play this game with myself sometimes where I think, what are they going to remember from the things I said today? Knowing chances are zero is the answer. For most or only things. the bad things. But it's only <laughs> the bad things, right? And I, I, I flash back to the moments I remember. And then I have a particularly low moment interaction with one of my kids. I'm like, that's the thing that I remember. <laughs> and you're like, right ding, there. ding, ding. Yes, exactly. And I just want to add something. Also, it's becoming more and more common amongst people who might have gone to college a few years ago for people to choose not to go to college, for people to choose vocational schools or community colleges or to go right into trades. And frankly, like that will become, I believe, more and more common as our kids grow up. So again, people's choices not to go to college at all should be something that we address in in a judgment-free way. We're doing great on our speed round. I know. We're like, let's just call it the slow round. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) New topic, athletics. Oh, (laughs) I think we did these in order of my like worst. Okay. So this might've happened in my house, which is my kid got hurt on the soccer field. And what did brilliant, loving, caring Vanessa say to her child? You're not hurt. You're fine. Get back on the field. Yes, I am the psychopath on the sidelines. And then we got home later that day and he took off his shin guards and socks and lo and behold he had like the largest bruise I have ever seen on a child's leg. I don't know car is that called a hematoma? Am I it is, is that right? very good. Okay. <laughs> Dr. V. And I felt so terrible because I judged him. Now I I didn't judge his performance, although that's certainly something I have done in the past. However, I can also offer, I don't know if you want to add a athletic judgment before I go into like how we can handle stuff, Cara, if you have a a fail? Well, for me, it's that I've read so much about the importance of not specializing in a sport that I have been very internally judgmental when people do it. And then of course, I have a child who falls madly in love with the sport and he is, you know, granted he's halfway through high school. So he's not specialized at six or 12, but still, you know, he's only 16 and has become a one sport kid. And, you know, here I am falling off my little pedestal. (laughs) I think I just heard a thump as you hit (laughs) the ground. So if you have a kid, let's say you were a serious athlete or a very successful athlete, and you have a kid who's not, or who doesn't seem like they're trying or who is disappointing you because they're not performing at the level you imagine your DNA would have produced a child to perform. So first of all, it's not about you and you, your kid is not you and you need to let go of that 
fact. Second of all, their worth in life is not about their athletic performance, even though that may have been how you were treated, that it was all about your ability to perform on the sports field. Number three, berating them in public will most definitely in the long term not bring about greater athletic success. It will more likely cause your kid to want to quit whatever sport it is they're playing and maybe even quit in that moment as happened with my younger brother when my dad was coaching him baseball and he basically walked off the field in the middle of a game. So that was really successful. And the last thing I would say is, and this actually comes from Cal Ripken's autobiography about coaching and talking to your kids about sports. And this is true really of almost any other parenting issue that makes us elevated and angry or upset or frustrated and our kids are equally the same. He recommends a 24-hour rule before you talk to your kid about their game or match or performance. And he says, don't talk to them about it on the way home. Don't give them critique. Don't lay into them. You can ask them how they felt about the game and leave it at that. But that is not the moment to start judging and giving all of your kid dumping all this stuff on them. So that's athletics. That was fast. That was better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. No judgment. Okay. (laughs) Social. So go exhale. Oh God. (laughs) Okay. This is particularly important coming out of COVID because our kids have either missed out and are socializing in ways that are either worrisome or extreme or different or whatever way you want to name it about how they're socializing, like hyper social, or they haven't, they've lost some social skills or never developed the social skills to go out and socialize. And so we're worried about them in that way. So I might have been known to say something to one of my kids who didn't have plans over the weekend. Hey, like, don't you want to make plans with someone? And they look at me like, okay, thanks, mom. Either A, maybe I do want to make plans, but I'm not sure how to do it. And so you're making me feel shitty in that sense. Or maybe I tried to make plans and was rejected. Or maybe I'm happy to be at home and stop putting pressure on me to like go out when I'm, I just want to play, you know, Xbox or watch a movie. So there's a lot of ways just one tiny sentence can convey a ton of judgment about our kids socializing. Yeah. In, in my house, it tends to sound a little bit more like, hey, is there anyone new you want to be <laughs> hanging out with, which is immediately translated into you don't like my friends. And for the record, I Or you adore, don't have friends. Yes. And I adore my kids' friends. My kids have made really great friend choices, but I am a big believer in endlessly widening the circle. I think that is just a really fulfilling strategy in life. But I have to remember that is not compatible all the time with high school and middle school life. And so what I am saying, I mean to be instructive. And I think oftentimes it is, it lands from this place of judgment. So I'll, I'll rewrite really quickly and I'll say, I mean, you and all of your friends could include these, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're like too late. That. You totally blew it. Yeah, exactly. So Cara, let's wrap with our takeaways. And I think we'll hit a couple more points while we do that. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So this is a topic that will live on forever. This idea of balancing judgment and 
hitting the right note, whatever that right note is. And it lives on forever because as we grow and evolve and as our kids grow and evolve, we interact differently. And so even if we get it right in 20 different ways, there's going to be some moment where there's an interaction where we feel like we get it wrong. I think that for me, the thing that hurts the most, that feels the most raw is when the kids who live in my house look at me like you got that all wrong when they judge us. And sometimes they do it in the moment and that feels rough. That's, it feels very vulnerable and it feels very uncomfortable. But the other way that it happens, and now we laugh about this, is that sometimes they'll hold on to a long ago judgment and they'll replay it over and over. So when my daughter was in kindergarten, she might have... (laughs) the Vanessa storytelling style. (laughs) She might have had a cold for several days. I might have listened to her chest with a stethoscope and it was clear she did not have anything in her chest. And then I might have decided to take her to a pediatrician who was not her mother and she might have been diagnosed with pneumonia. And all I hear from her anytime I ever give any medical advice is, you know, you missed my pneumonia. So I'm thinking maybe I should go to a real doctor. And I know harsh and I know where it comes from and we laugh about it. And she's right because I shouldn't be her doctor. I should be her mom. But it is a regular reminder that when our kids parrot our judgmental approach to things, it, it stings. It feels bad. And so... I have worked really hard to let go of my judgments. We all have them. We're all human. But I've worked really hard to let go of them, mostly because when I see them being sort of handed back to me, I don't like how it feels. And it's a good reminder. And so for those parents who are listening, who sometimes feel judged by their kids, welcome to the club. And, (laughs) and remember that this is an ever evolving dynamic and you can model the behavior that you really want them to parrot. And eventually they will pick up the new behavior, the non-judgmental behavior, and they will let go. Although they will always lord over you that one thing that you did really wrong in kindergarten because that's just human nature and it's kind of funny. And they like seeing us as fallible. It's very comforting when we can acknowledge that. And we are fallible. Oh, oh yes, we are. And the last piece of judgment comes in connection to our partners. If we are caring for kids with a partner to whom we are married or to whom we are no longer married, or if our partners are grandparents or other relatives who we partner with, we have to give them the same grace that we're giving ourselves. We're going to do things differently than our partners do things. But if we don't want to have to do it all alone, we have to allow for other people to make different choices and choose different approaches. And it always brings me back to when my oldest was a baby and my husband, we would take turns, you know, rocking him to sleep, which of course we shouldn't have been doing, but what the hell did we know? He was our first child. 
and my husband was doing it in like a super bizarre way, <laughs> not unsafe, just bizarre. And I was like, what? Like, you're doing it all wrong. What are you doing? It's just like, that's just like so dumb. And he looked at me and he said, Hey, you got to let me do it my way. If you want help, if you don't want to do this every single night, you got to let me do it my way. And it's such a good reminder because that is true forever and ever and ever that raising kids and caring for kids is imperfect. And we're all going to choose our own path. And we have to be generous of spirit with other people in the way they choose to do it. I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? I have a great mental image of how Raj <laughs> put Samson to bed, but I'm, Samson is, you know, six foot three now. And I'm picturing six foot three Samson in the On scenario. tiny Roger's lap. <laughs> um, he was actually a huge baby, also with huge, gorgeous cheeks. So there was a reason why we were happy to rock him to bed every night because he was so gosh darn cute. Thanks, Cara. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. <laughs>